Hello. What is up, my dudes? Due to limited noise abilities, it is justifiable. Episode, Episode 10. 10. Um, I was about to say 9. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Now, um, this episode is a little different. It's something special. Yeah, that I didn't get until I got here. Um, so it's like a story time, but not from us to you, but from her to me. From me to you. Because <laughs> um, I happen... So, as we talked about in the last episode, she doesn't know the Black Dahlia or the O.J. Simpson case. And so I already knew I was going to do those two. And they're relatively well-known cases. So I threw in a third one that is less well-known so that people can like have something new to listen to. But also like review the old cases. Yeah. Um, so I have three to talk about today and i'm gonna start with the black dahlia um we don't need any more intro than that do we i don't think so because this isn't really like a who's going first yeah argument any comments you have like any thoughts just like stop me at any time because the black dahlia was never solved okay so we can speculate over that because there's like only a couple of like suspects and only one do i have because it was kind of interesting but the others are like, it's kind of clear that it wasn't them. Mm, okay. Also, side note to listeners, my dog is chewing on his ball in the background. It doesn't squeak, but you'll probably hear it along with the jingle jangle of his collar. And his because, like, weird breathing around the ball. <laughs> yeah, because he hates us. <laughs> and he just wants to ruin everything. So, so on January 15th, 1947... A mother was taking her child for a walk in a Los Angeles neighborhood and stumbled upon the body of a young naked woman sliced clean in half the waist. The body was a few feet from the sidewalk and posed in a way that the mother thought it was a mannequin at first. Side note, that kid is super fucked up now. Yes. <laughs> I wanted I want to follow up on that kid. Also, so Psyche I didn't Val. I didn't put this in. Uh but the mother actually covered up the body with a tarp because uh, school children were going to be walking by pretty soon. Because it was early in the morning. Oh, I feel like I partially know this, isn't it? You probably do. Yeah, because I think we talked about it once, isn't it? They covered up her body and just kind of left her there until like the school buses already came or whatever. And I was like, why don't they just park a car over her? Yeah, we've kind of talked about this. Okay, I don't know any details, but I remember yeah. specifically being mm -hmm. like, why was there just not a car? Despite the extensive mutilation and cuts <clears throat> on the body, there wasn't a single drop of blood at the scene, and she was scrubbed clean, indicating that the woman had been killed elsewhere. That sucks. The investigation was led by the L.A. Police Department. The FBI was asked to help, and they quickly identified the body just 56 minutes after getting the fingerprints. Help. And they're like, amateurs. Here you go. Amateurs. So the young woman was 22-year-old Hollywood hopeful named Elizabeth Short. She was dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press for her rumored penchant for sheer black clothes and for the Blue Dahlia movie out at the time. I have no idea what that movie's about. No idea. Because I, I didn't feel like looking it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't feel like looking for it. I understand. She was born in Boston July 29th, 1924, and was the third of five daughters. Her prints actually appeared twice because she had applied for a job as a clerk at the uh, commissary of the Army's Camp Co Camp Cook in California in January 1943. Mm -hmm. Second, 
because she had been arrested by the Santa Barbara police for underage drinking seven months later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The Bureau had her mugshot and provided it to the press. And that's some of the pictures that they have uh, for, like, do you know this woman? Can we, Mm. like, figure out who who killed her? Um, I just think it's funny because mugshots, like, always look horrible. Rarely do people have good mugshots. Not hers. Is her mugshot good? Hold on. I will. I have my laptop up and that's what I have my notes on, so I'll... I just think, like, I've only seen very few good mugshots and they always look weird, like, real different. <laughs> well, this one does a short. I wonder if she was tall. Like, how tall she was. <laughs> so there might be some... Yeah, so that was her body. Um, these were a lot of the pictures that showed up. That's something else from American Horror Story, apparently. Um, that half of of her dead body, that is her. They So that was oh, the God. extensive mutilation is that she was cut from the corners of her mouth up to her ears. Like her head was almost severed in half. Wow. That reminds me of... And those are her mug shots. Wow. She's gorgeous. Like Yeah. She wanted to be an actress. I see why. She could have gone really far without looking like Jeff the Killer after being mutilated. For those who are creepypasta fans, you know, Jeff the Killer, he, you know, was slit basically like she was. So. So, I think that'll be a thing that, you know, people can reference if they don't feel like looking like an actual body that's mutilated. Yeah. Just look up that. Um, where was I? Underage drinking seven months later. The FBI ran record checks on potential suspects and conducted interviews across the nation. Based on early suspicions that the murderer may have had skills in dissection because the body was so cleanly cut. The sole witness of the murder had reported seeing a black sedan parked in the area in the early morning hours, but could provide police with little else. That sucks. That's why, like, and I I always delete these pictures, but if I'm ever parked by, like, a creepy car... Or, like, someone that I think is going to ding my car. Or, like, there's a weird vehicle down the road. I always just take a picture of the license plate. Like, always. Just because I didn't know you did that. I do that for safety reasons. because if So, if someone kidnaps you, or you're just going to, like, toss your phone? Hope yeah. somebody finds it and go, this was the person. <laughs> this was the vehicle that attacked me. Yeah, basically. Do something like that. Or just because, like, if someone dings my car, or, like, something happens, and they're like, was there any shifty cars? Be like, Yes. <laughs> That one. Well, uh, I didn't write this down. So there's actually, if you guys want to hear more about this in more of like a, a story formish type, I believe Unsolved BuzzFeed did an episode on the Black Dahlia. And uh, so she was, I, I know this extra information. They suspected for a long time that they, like the murderer had taken her off of the streets and taken her to like an abandoned building or warehouse and actually hung her upside down from a meat hook to drain her body of blood. And the blood amount was never found. So it was suspected that it was kept as like a trophy or that they just never like found the spot that she was killed. Uh, so they searched for a long, long time in different abandoned buildings around the area. Well, yeah, like you could also just think like if you killed someone and you were going to drain them, you could always just dump the blood like... Even though it'd be really shitty, like, in a river or, like, 
and just someplace really muddy, and it'll just be taken by the environment. I don't think there was anything like that around there. I don't, again, I don't know for sure, then but... Again, she wasn't killed around there as well as... That was be... another thing, is they didn't know the radius with which to look because they had no idea when she was taken. Because she was uh, by herself in Los Angeles, she was kind of, like, moving around on her own and yeah. that kind of thing. So they had no idea when she was taken um, and didn't know when, like, the time frame that she was gone before her body was found. I know there's other ways to hang people upside down, but was there, like... And you might not know this, but was there any, like marks of like maybe a meat hook um i don't think so no because i mean there's different ways to hang people upside down but so one of the suspects was george hodel the father was called out by his son so his son suspected that the father was the killer oh how how old was his son do you know um well in the time that the son actually took the case to somebody it was 2013 so he was an adult and george hodel i believe was dead that's shitty but it was just you know they were trying to find a person to give the you know blame to because they want to find the the killer yeah so george hodel was a doctor and the son had heard him either talking to himself or someone else that he had killed someone or more than one person In 2013, they took a dog that was trained to sniff out decomposing flesh and found that the house was a hit. They took soil samples and nothing came of it. A recording was found from George Hodel to an unknown person. He said, suppose and I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. So basically, he killed killed his secretary and... They don't know. Well, because I'm thinking, they took a soil sample, but that doesn't... They they found that there were, like, dead bodies had been there at some point, but... but they weren't there now. Yeah, and, and they can't... It was old enough, they couldn't, like, tell who it was, or... So, basically, you could also say that they only knew that blood had been there, really, but he was a doctor, and if I remember right, he did work out of his home. So, I mean... I would say that... He, he probably did it, or, um, because of just, like, the way that she was cut up and, like, the blood was gone, I would also say that if it wasn't him, they would look, they should look for someone with, like, butcher skills, because they usually know how to cleanly cut things and, you know, drain bodies of, like, and do all this stuff. Like, doctors know how to do it, and usually butchers do, too. Yeah. As well as, like, hanging from a meat hook. So I would say if he didn't do it, plus like butcheries usually have like a drain, all the blood's they, gone. They looked through butcher shops and didn't find anything. Um, so this, it started in 1947. 2013 is when they had an update in the case for George Hodel. And then the lead went dead and the case hasn't been picked up since. That really sucks because it, it was, they waited too long. Like the son, I mean, now that he's older, I guess couldn't really do anything about it but wait i guess but i mean if it had come to them sooner they probably could have said yeah it was sorry by the way my dog is running around with toys and stuff um so this is actually the one of the oldest and most famous uh cold cases of la makes sense i mean i can see why 
So, I like that they just have it on recording. Suppose I did kill her. Can't prove it now. <laughs> My secretary is dead. <laughs> so is George Hodel. So, it doesn't, you know. It's uh, a case solved, barely. Yep. So, that was the case of the Black Dahlia, or Elizabeth Short. And this is O.J. Simpson. Um, so, O.J. Simpson was never actually uh, arrested for this crime. Yeah, I do remember that, because I remember a lot of people got upset that he, he was, wasn't he, arrested. He was arrested for something else that I'll talk about, and I believe he's still in jail. I thought he was free. I don't know. We'll get there. Uh, so, Nicole Brown Simpson is O.J.'s ex-wife, mm-hmm. and her friend, Ron, so her and her friend, Ron Goldman, were brutally stabbed to death in Nicole's home in Brentwood, California. Oh. OJ became the prime suspect due to a prior record of domestic violence. Makes and that's sense. part of the reason, if I remember right, that they divorced. I mean, probably. They did have a son between them. Uh, and something that I'm not going to bring up, like, go into really because it was quickly dropped was that uh, their son had, like, a lot of anger issues. And they thought that maybe he had murdered her. He didn't. But they thought that he might have. Well, was he, like, young at that time? or He was, like, 16 to 18. So he was, like, old enough to have committed the crime, but young enough that it would have been, like, a crime of passion type thing. And then why kill Ron Goldman? They suspected OJ because they thought OJ would have thought Ron Goldman was, like... With his wife? Like yeah, but they were her. just friends. Because that's what people have, is just friends who are, like, different sexes, people. Get over it. So, OJ became the prime suspect because of the domestic violence. Although he had agreed to turn himself in, Simpson escaped with a friend, A.C. Cowlings, in his white Ford Bronco on June 17th. So, actually, what had happened was that... Oh, now I can't remember it. Either he was in the driver's seat or his friend... Nah, I think he had a gun pointed at his friend, and the friend was driving. Um, mm. So he was carrying his passport, a disguise, and $8,750 in cash. His car was spotted that afternoon, but he refused to surrender immediately. Threatening to kill himself, he led police in a low-speed uh, chase through the freeways of Los Angeles as the entire nation watched on live television. I like that it's a low-speed chase. He's like He was going at 20 on the road like around 20 (laughs) um so he actually the police called his phone and they had a conversation with him where they were attempting to get him to back down from committing suicide in the car um so eventually simpson gave himself up at his home in brentwood so the evidence against simpson was extensive his blood was found at the murder case Blood, hair, and fibers from Brown and Goldman were found in Simpson's car at his home. One of his gloves was also found in Brown's home, the other outside his own home, and a bloody shoe print was found at the scene matching those of shoes owned by Simpson. So this was also a detail that I remember because uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved Unsolved also did this case, um, is that they had also proven it like somewhat because... They didn't live far from each other, and that day he had something to go do, so he was going to be on his way to the airport, and his chauffeur came and, like, knocked on the door, and he didn't answer, and then he came, like, uh, they said they heard something around the side of the house, and then at the back door, and then OJ came out the front door, 
and uh, saying that he was like, you know, going to be ready to go. So, uh, however, Simpson's dream team is what they were called of defense lawyers, including Johnny Cochran and F. Lee Bailey, claimed before a national television audience that Simpson had been framed by racist police officers that were at the scene, such as Detective Mark uh, Furman. So they were saying that the detectives planted evidence against him there. So after deliberating for three hours, the jury acquitted Simpson, and that's, uh, they brought up the glove, and that's where the, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit statement came from. Because they, like, mishandle it and freeze it wrong, and it shrunk the glove. Yes. So, uh, Simpson vowed to find the real killers, but he has yet to turn up any new leads. In a civil trial brought about by the families of the victims, Simpson was found responsible for causing Goldman's death and committing battery against Brown in February 1997 and was ordered to pay a total of $33.5 million, little of which he's paid. So he's like, the court's like, you have to pay them this, and he's like, no. Holding it back. So in 2007, and this is why he's still in prison, I'm pretty sure, Simpson ran into legal problems once again when he was arrested for breaking into a Las Vegas hotel room and taking sports memorabilia, which he claimed had been stolen from him at gunpoint. My dog is breathing heavily. Can you shut up, please? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, that worked for a second. Uh, So on October 3rd, 2008, he was found guilty of 12 charges related to the incident, including armed robbery and kidnapping, and sentenced to 22 years in prison. What year was he? 2007. But I don't know if he was was committed without a chance of parole, because he could be out on parole. Yeah, because I was going to say, actually, this year is when he would be released. Because 12, 7, 19. So he would be released this year, if anything. No, because it was 2008 that he was found guilty, and he was sentenced oh. to 22 years. Okay, I heard that wrong. I was looking oh. at the 12 charges. Yeah, no, he was sentenced in 2008 to 22 years in prison. Oh, so 23. But I don't know if, if it has parole. Yeah, I don't know if he had a chance of parole. Because then he could have gotten out earlier. So thoughts? Do you think he did it? I think he most definitely did it, but he's rich enough to get the dream team, and then that was just a fuck up on police for mishandling evidence, which also could have been, hey, I'm gonna pay you to fuck up this evidence. When I was uh, watching the BuzzFeed Unsolved case, I was actually... Uh, so the way that I set up this made it, like, it's very clear, because this is my opinion as well, that OJ did it, but... The way that they presented it, I, like, oh, it was also, uh, ooh, what's it called? My Favorite Murder, it's a podcast, another mm-hmm. podcast that I listen to. They did an episode on this as well. And uh, it was the way that they presented the case that I wasn't sure that he did it because they had a couple of other suspects and he seemed in some of the videos in documentaries, like, completely, like, legitimately upset over her death because he said, you know, I, I did abuse her before, like, once, but, like, he loved his wife. And he didn't, he didn't actually want to divorce her, which is why they thought he did it, because he thought mm-hmm. Ron Goldman was her lover, but they were just friends. Well, I also, like, I think the only thing that I would say against that would be 
It, it would be a crime of passion. Like, you don't want to divorce your life. You love, like, you love her so much, so you divorced her because that's what she wanted. And then, you know, she's screwing around with someone, but you're still like, she's mine. So then you kill both of them, because then you're genuinely, like, upset she's dead. But you're also just like, I, I got her. upset. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. So, I mean, I don't know. Mostly, <clears throat> I think OJ did it. But the I'm- son was legitimately up for grabs for a time for i would say done it. it would really have like there because the amount of evidence is so extensive that it was him it would have to be like some groundbreaking well, evidence that was why they said it could have been his son because their dna would have been similar yeah but it would have been a little different too it would yeah, have been yeah. a complete match so there would the, have to be miraculous evidence against someone else for me to really claim it was anybody else the last case that i have is a mystery case to both the listeners and you. You've never heard of this. I only learned of this today. And I can tell you that most of the ones you've told me, I've never heard of because I just don't ever do anything. (laughs) And it's, like, a pretty, like, severe case. Like, so this was on, you can watch this on Sling. So you can't, but some people can. (laughs) And it's the Cold Case Files. And it's the murder of Shauna Howe. On October 27th, 1992, at 10 p.m., Lucy Howe calls police worried that her daughter hadn't returned home. Shauna left for school earlier that day dressed in a gymnast costume for Halloween. After school, she she joined her school... Oh, God, I can't speak. After school, she joined her Girl Scout troop to sing to residents at a home for seniors. A few hours prior to House Call, Oil City Police received a somewhat different call from a concerned person who saw a little girl grabbed off the corner of West First and Reed Streets by a tall, shaggy-looking man. I like that they're like, I'm only concerned, not like, I think this kid just got kidnapped. And the police went on a hunt. And it was like, it was a small town, so basically all of the people in the town were out looking for her as well. Because... They knew within 24... So basically, if, if you don't know, after a child has been kidnapped, after 24 hours, every minute that they're gone after that 24 hours, it gets more and more likely that they're dead. Yeah, because isn't it uh, children? They're usually, uh-huh. if they're kidnapped, within 24 hours, if they don't show up, every minute after that, they're either dead or they're sold into sex trafficking. That's what Yes. And so they were desperately looking for her because... They, you know, of course, they wanted to find her, but they didn't want to find her dead. So, uh, there were, like, 20 policemen on the case that night. Damn. Two days later, Shauna's gymnast costume was found near an abandoned railroad bed in a rural wooded area in Rockland with semen on it. And isn't, so is that, like, a different city or whatever? It's near. Rockland is like a a park type thing there. Uh, It's kind of like Busick. Busick is a place near here. Well, no, I was asking like near the city that she was in. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a nearby like small town as well. Rockland isn't a town. Rockland is like a park like like Busick that's right on the outside of that town. That's really shitty. The next morning, so they found that and then the next morning... Shauna's body is found 200 yards from where the clothing was found. And the thing is, it hadn't been there that day because they searched within that area. 
Yeah, I was going to say, they would have gone through the yep. park-like area. Her abductors had thrown her from a railroad trestle into a dry, rocky creek bed 30 feet below. She was 11 years old. This makes me wonder if they're, like, almost like homeless living out of a van. Just because, like, like the description of it and then, like, nobody really is just, like, I know these railroads. I'm going to walk along it. There's, oh, wow, there's a creek bed. Like There was the no time, description of a van. Well, I just, like, someone living out of their car. Yeah. Um, you might have been thinking about that from the uh, Black Dahlia case, though, because it was a black sedan. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking, because if they're shaggy, usually they're lanky, skinny. So, also, at the time like that, that this was going on, they didn't have... Because I can, you know, sometimes you forget the date, and I know people would be thinking about this. They didn't have the DNA system that we have now. Yeah. They couldn't put in, like, semen or blood samples and, you know, like, just get it. There was no system. You had to actually draw blood to get a sample. Yeah. Um. So... Her shoes were also placed on the railroad trestle, one facing one direction and one the other, and they were planted there deliberately. So, uh, she was the victim of a sexual assault and murder. The autopsy report stated that Shauna died from extensive blunt force trauma, which included fractured ribs and multiple lacerations and contusions, as well as hemorrhaging. She was basically, like, beaten to death. That was from falling. She was said to be alive after she hit the bottom for around five to ten minutes. And she was just, like, bleeding out on the ground. That is so sad. Especially, like, nobody really wants to die alone like that. I mean, I wouldn't want to die And this is, a, this is an 11-year-old girl. So, Agent Tom Carter, who had joined the FBI in 1991, was on the violent crime case. Or Crace, as I spelt it. <laughs> he remembers the case with crystal clarity. He's quoted as saying that little girl lying there in that creek bed under the railroad is something I'll never forget. That influenced my passion for kids. I couldn't believe someone could do that to a little girl. It just hit home for me. I feel like that's everybody at that point. Yeah. Just like, I used to say I hate kids. But so oh my God. they actually, in the uh, cold case files that I watched, they actually interviewed him. And him and several of the other police officers that were interviewed cried when talking about the case. Well, yeah. Um, so though this case would go another... So though he said that, this case would go another 13 years unsolved. Damn. They tested just about everybody in that town those first couple of days. Mm-hmm. Nobody matched. Yeah, I, I don't think it would be anybody in the small town only because... What I'm like, what I'm going with my like kind of homeless person, even though it's probably not it, um, but like just someone from a different town, like passing through, like a traveler, just because nobody like you would immediately in the small town think who is scraggly looking. Yeah, who yeah, is- they they immediately went to those people, and the people that they knew were like bad people that were arrested often, mm-hmm. and like went to those people first. And actually, so um. Investigators had DNA evidence that had been collected from when Shauna's body was found in the the suit, and Carter took to carrying cotton swabs to obtain DNA samples from possible suspects he encountered while investigating his other cases. So he would go to other cases, and somebody would be suspicious, and he'd be like, open your mouth and give me some spit. I gotta test this for an unsolved murder. I'm literally gonna go shut that door if he keeps running in and out. I like the fact that he goes outside and then runs in and is like, did anybody enter the house? 
<laughs> runs back out. Like, what are you suspicious of? Everything. <laughs> Me. Uh, so the police questioned Ted Walker, who was a man working at a pizza place who always tried to hug the young girls that came in. His DNA didn't match, but there was a fire report on a red car that had been seen taking her away. So the only the only thing they had about who it could be was that they drove a red car, a small red car, and that they were like skinny, tall, scraggly, scraggly. looking. Uh, so the car was Ted's and it had been set on fire possibly to destroy evidence. So that's what they thought and then they, they took his DNA and it, it wasn't him. him. Uh, when police talked to him, he said to look at the O'Brien brothers. They were known for being horrible men that had been arrested more than once for assault and other crimes. But the policemen knew that the O'Briens were in custody at the police station that night. Tom Carter, who was working the case years later, had someone look to see if they were really in custody. And it turns out that before the kidnapping, they got out on bail. They were there that day, but they were not there that night. when she was kidnapped. That sucks shit, because imagine being like, we're not going to look at these people. They were, like, in jail. Like, they couldn't have done it. And then just being like, but were they really? And then the answer being no. So at the time of looking into the case, so years years later, at the time of looking into the case, the O'Briens were in jail for attempted kidnapping of a woman, and they got the DNA from James O'Brien. It was a match. That would piss me off. Imagine being like... Okay, so you just attempted to yeah, they, kidnap somebody. They checked the O'Briens, so they thought of the O'Briens the same, like, the day after the, her body was found. Mm -hmm. And one of the police officers said, we booked them that day. They weren't, th like, they couldn't Ooh, be here. I'd be so mad at myself. And so 13 years later, like, he no, finally thought to look at the records and was like, they weren't there. That'd be shitty as fuck. But mm. it wasn't just James O'Brien. So for years too, they only thought it was they thought it was only was one it person. It was three people. The story is that Ted Walker went up to Shauna as she was walking home, and to make her more at ease, asked to buy some Girl Scout cookies. He then grabbed her and handed to and handed her to a man that got out of Ted's car, like got out of Ted's red car, and the three men drove off with the girl. They went to Ted's home, and the O'Briens took her upstairs into a room. So this is all from Ted's perspective. He confessed all of this. Um, he said that she was screaming at them to let her go and to get away. In that room, James O'Brien raped her. They, went, uh, they then went to the place her bodysuit was found and raped her again, leaving the bodysuit behind. For a full night, they kept her naked in the trunk of the car until the next day they took her to the railroad trestles and threw her off. That's shitty. Especially, like, for one, don't ever let anybody get bailed out after being like, okay, so you attempted to kidnap someone? Let me just bail you out. That's dumb. That's incredibly dumb. Like, I don't understand that. Especially that night. <sighs> like, keep them a full 24, like, 48 hours. Yeah. Because that was stupid. She probably would have been alive. As well as, like... You're like, there's no way this guy did it. Like, maybe he was burning so, car for evidence. It wasn't him. Motherfucker comes out, like, 13 years later and is like, actually... Part of the story I didn't mm. share was... I think it was, like, a year later on Halloween. So, after this event on Halloween, they had more pol police around because the entire town was afraid of, like, when this would happen again. And a five-year-old went missing from her backyard. 
And they, of course, went straight on a search for her. And one of the police officers said that he saw this man that he hadn't, like, recognized before that was in the search party hugging the mother, you know, going, we're going to find your kid. Like, it'll be okay. And he describes it as being, like, you know, sometimes you just know, like, you look at somebody and you know if I go up to them as a police officer and speak to them, they, they might cave. It might have been them. So he went up to this, this uh, person and... He kind of like leaned into him and like put a hand on his back and he was like, this is a really serious case and we need your help. And the dude started crying and told the police that she was hurt and bleeding. And he said, or he said bleeding really badly. And the police officer said, well, I've seen people bleed really badly and live. You need to tell me where she's at. And so he told her, he told the police officer where she was at And she was buried in a shallow grave and she was dead when they found her. It was a 17 and a half year old boy that had raped and murdered her and buried her in a shallow grave. And he was not the person that killed Shauna, of course. Well, yeah. So they had at first thought, you know, we've got him. This is him. And when they tested his DNA after taking him into custody, it wasn't him. So, uh, they actually, like, after the 13 years before the case was solved, uh, Carter, the officer, retired. And the other police officers had to go up to Shauna's mom and basically tell her, like, the case is dead. We have no leads. And, like, we can't do anything. And her response, because in the interview she says this, she was like, they came up to my house and they told me that the case was dead. And she said, yeah, and so is my daughter. And uh, even after he was retired, Carter never stopped working on the case until he solved it. I'm so glad that there are police officers out there like that. That, like, even though they retire, there's, like, that one case that, like, they can't let go. Yeah. Um, But my question, like, did they ever... So when they figured out who it was, did they, like, arrest them or, like... Yeah, they got uh, sentenced to life in jail. Like Tom or whatever. All three of them. So it was Ted Walker and the two O'Brien brothers. So a part of the case as well was when uh, Carter was looking through the files, he, you know, they have the crime scene and and body photos. Mm -hmm. And he said, I remember from the night because he was there. He was there when they found her body Mm -hmm. was that she had like a shoe print on her face and her uh, knees were like uh, scuffed Mm -hmm. and kind of bruised up like kind of like carpet burns Mm -hmm. and so he was first of all he was like you know she had to have been kept in a relatively small space because her bodysuit was found one day Mm -hmm. and she was dead the next day they had to have kept her between then alive Mm -hmm. because she was dead not long after the fall yeah so she was alive until that point and so when he talked with the, the coroner they said that she had to have been restrained but there were no like marks on her body of mm-hmm. restraining her. So she would have been kept in like a small space. And that's where they think the burns on her Knees knee came from. from. The trunk, like, and it was trunk from the carpet, carpet in, the tr- in the trunk. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, the shoe print on her face, they think, was from her struggling to get out of their hold when she was in the house. Yeah. And so one of them like probably like, kicked her. Yep. 
yeah, it's it was such a sad case to like listen to and watch because I was like, oh, it, it was just bad overall, oh, really yeah. bad. It's bad, and it's one of those things that like all the people who did it, it wasn't like good people who suddenly did a bad thing. It's like people who literally like were in custody for basically trying to do the same thing before. So, and then got out on bail. We're also kind of short on this episode. I have some more stories. Go ahead. Dog. Ranger. <laughs> I hate you, okay? You are, are you're such a nuisance. Like, what is your deal today? Okay, so another case that I was going to research and tell you about a different time, but now I'm just going to tell you now, is uh, there was... Um, and I'm trying to remember it fully because I was also writing as I was, I was writing my research for those last three cases whilst watching this. <clears throat> um, so these, so it was it was an old couple, and oh, what was his name? Eddie, and she had a weird name. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I think it starts with an M, something like that. But they were, uh, can you shut up, dog? Make oh some gosh. more noise just to yeah. hear you. They were, uh, they had a Christmas tree farm. And their son was a logger. And they had, like, several, uh, sorry, their grandson was a logger. They had, like, one son. He was married. That son had a couple of sons and daughters. And that their grandson was the logger. And so, um... They went missing, and when they went into the house to, like, you know, check, when the police went into the house to check things out, the car was gone, and the uh, old woman had left her purse there, and the grandson made note that, like, she would never leave the house without her purse. And so they go searching and searching, and they find... A, they find the car, I think a couple days later, and it, like an, a lone officer finds this car and is covered in snow and ice because they're uh, they're close to Canada. Yeah, so it's they're like way up north, like snowy north. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, you know, doesn't want to put evidence on the car, so he's like trying to breathe on it to like put a little hole in in the ice. And he looks in, and there's blood all over the car. So they make it a crime scene, of course, and they come down. Was it? It was the police or the son? It was the police Grandson. officer that found oh, it. And it was the blood of the of the couple, but their bodies weren't there. There was a lot of blood on the uh, seats in the front of the car. So they were one of them was driving, and a shotgun had been used to kill them. Or to at least injure them at this point. Uh, and there was a blanket in there and the grandfather's hat that he was noted to like always wear was in there as well. And so then the police, like the family was really into like wanting to help to find their grandparents because at this point they didn't know that they were dead. They were like, well, somebody has them and they're injured. So this was a kidnapping case at the time. Yeah. So Although they... shooting old people with a shotgun is definitely... Not going to let them live very long, usually. Nope. 
So the police officers gave them, like, a certain amount of area on a map. They spread out a big map, and they gave them a certain amount of area, and it was like, go to these places, go look for your grandparents. Because they had, well, the entire town, again, was, like, in on it. It was a smaller All town sound, again. Yeah. And so the police officers were looking, a lot of people in the town were looking, and um, it was the granddaughter's friend that found their bodies. Oh, I thought you were going to say the killer. I was like, ooh, I would smack a hose so hard. <laughs> I'd no. be like, I don't know what they did to you. Maybe give you a limp Christmas tree, but damn, that's sh- that's shady. But okay, so they uh, find the bodies, and the grandfather had been shot square in the back, mm-hmm. and the grandmother had been shot. Uh, kind of through the back, but it went. The pellets of the shotgun went through her shoulder and her face so she was shot more like here and it the spray went here yeah the the spray went uh from her shoulder to her head yeah and they were from the marks it was like they were dragged from their car that was then taken elsewhere and parked i guess and dragged off the side of the road to where the bodies were dumped which wasn't too far off and uh, so they, this is also a really interesting case for how it ends, but it went on for years and years where they were trying to find people that would have a reason for like wanting to kidnap these people. Because first of all, they don't know the actual, like all they know at this point, the police know is that they were taken from their home for some reason, drove like drove out a certain ways. They were killed in the front seats and then dragged, and off. Then dragged off of the road. And then the car was taken and dumped somewhere else. So they looked, actually, they first looked at the family because uh, a lot of the time in murder cases, it's somebody that the victims knew. knew or like were close to. And so they looked at the grand, they looked at the grandson that owned the logging company Business. because he was known to be kind of a mean guy. And they were like, you know, maybe he had like a, a tiff with the grandparents, killed them, you know, got revenge, that kind of thing. And... He actually, so his name was Mike. I remember this. I don't know why. Probably because my dad's name is Mike. Yes. Yeah. I was like, you got like but, four Mikes that you know. His so. name was Mike, and he uh, said. So he was also interviewed in this. Uh, he said that he <laughs> did. My dog lick your feet. Yes. Oh. Like showered my toes, and I didn't appreciate. He uh, said that after that. He, like, went out drinking a lot, and he got into a lot of fights, and he got uh, arrested once for fighting. And when they were handcuffing him, he told the cops, shouldn't you be somewhere else looking for my grandparents' killer? So he was, like, very upset over Yeah, this. he was extremely upset. So, yeah, I could see him not doing it. Just for one, I mean, what are you going to do, own a logging company and the, the family farm? Yeah. But I, I wouldn't want to do that. Like, as just, like, me as a person. Because some people are like, well, I wanted the company and they wouldn't give it to me. I'd be like, I already have my own. I don't need two to babysit. Yeah. I don't want it. So it's hard work. They went through all of the family and kind of got that, you know, out of the way. Mm-hmm. And acquaintances and the town and that kind of thing. And they couldn't find anything. So these so, are just really good old people? Yeah, they were extremely nice. Um, they were the kind of people that you would describe as being, like, everybody's grandparents. Like, of the, t- oh, they were yeah. grandparents of the town. I love those people. And, uh, 
they were, you know, nice to everybody that they met. And um, then they found that when they were talking to people, like, trying to find, like, maybe if somebody had seen the car, that kind of thing. And somebody said that they saw the two of them with somebody in the back seat driving to the bank. And that the grandfather got out of the bank, like, got out of the car, went to the bank, and came back before the teller was done. So he came back and, like, sat in the car like he was nervous about something. And when the teller came out, he got out of the car before the teller could get too close. And, like, took money from the from the teller. So he was withdrawing something from his account. And then got back in the car and drove off. And then another person had said that they witnessed the car... Uh, but, like, hadn't really noticed who it was. They they didn't remember that it was, like, two of those old people. And saw a man get out of the back seat. And they said he was carrying, like, a rifle. But that it was weird because it was covered up in, like, a sheet or a blanket. But it wasn't, like, it was weird that it wasn't in a case or just out. Mm-hmm. It was, like, oddly covered. Yeah. And, uh... So they kind of were like, okay, well, you know, we have, they were like, do you remember what this person looks like? And they were like, I only remember he had like an army jacket, like an army green jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like a cap on and he would like had shaggy hair, a bit of scruff on his face. Mm-hmm. And that's all they remembered. And they put up the sketch and they gave it to all the people that saw the car, and nobody recognized any of them. They were like, you know, they kind of look like him, but yeah. not not as close as I remember it being. And the case went cold for a long time until... Shut up, <laughs> dog. So they started looking for people that worked for the old people Mm -hmm. so they were like somebody knew that they had money but the the grandparents were from the great depression so they had money spread out into several different accounts Mm -hmm. and bank bank accounts and they only stopped once at a bank so clearly the people didn't know them well enough to know that they had more money than that yeah it also like one thing that i really admire about i guess the grandpa is that he went inside and then was like i like just come outside with me because, I mean, he's like, okay, I might die, so this person needs to see this person, but not close enough to, like, get shot. Mm-hmm. So I think he's smart, but I also admire that he's like, oh, please don't die. Like, I'm going to come and meet you. Yeah. Because, uh, shady shit. So, uh, they started looking at the people that had worked there, and they didn't really get anything off of that. They got one person, and that was also because somebody called them and told them that their friend had talked about committing a double murder because why don't you find that suspicious i I don't understand why people are like just randomly like call their friend up and they're like hey by the way even if i did it like you can't prove it or like hey i figuratively speaking if i killed two yeah two old people money would you want to go drinking tonight yeah (laughs) like i don't so what this person was now a part of like a street gang and so they infiltrated the gang to talk with him, and they kind of got him to admit to it, but he had all the wrong facts. He said he used a twenty-two instead of a shotgun, and that he killed them in the car in a parking lot, which didn't happen. Well, I would say that, well, would a, shot be, would a shotgun be considered a rifle? 
A twenty two isn't a rifle. Well, I know, but they were killed with a shotgun. But they were people killed. Said, yes. like saw a rifle. They're, that's why I'm... it's interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait. Um, so they knew it wasn't him. He was just for some reason trying to wanting. Claim. Well, yeah. if you're part of a gang, you know, it gives you street cred. Yeah, I killed these old people. Woo. They yes. haven't caught me yet. Um, so they had no leads after that, and then Mike. The grandson was driving, and he was driving through this town, and he said, I heard somebody shout my name, and I was like, oh, who knows me in this town? Because he didn't have a good reputation. So many people thought he'd done it. So he pulled over, and it was his friend from uh, high school. And his friend, you know, was also interviewed, and it was so amazing to watch because he said, you know, I have something. You know, he said he always went past him and was like, you know, how are your grandparents? And then he finally said, I have something to tell you. And Mike was like, what is it? And he said, I know who killed your grandparents. Dun, dun, dun. And he said, basically, so he worked under his grand, under the dude's grandparents. Mm -hmm. And these, uh, he was riding in the car with his mom when he saw the, oh my God, my dog. What is your issue? Like, do you see, like, is it a cat? He, oh, that's your phone. He's, oh, yes, there is a cat. He's like, goes outside, can I reach you? And it comes um, But anyways, so he said that he was in his car with, he was in the car with his mom, and his mom was driving, and he, the car in front of them was going slow. And he told her to pass the car. And so when they passed it, he realized that it was, uh, the grandparents' car, and he saw them in the front seat, and he saw two people in the back. And uh, he basically said that they had passed him, and then he hadn't thought anything of it until he learned of their death. And then the two people that had been in the car came up to him and said, because they had seen him, and they like, were, did you tell anybody? And he said, no, I hadn't told anybody yet. Because it was like the day after they knew that they were murdered. And they said, good. Because if you tell anybody, we will kill your family, your cousins, your acquaintances, and then we'll kill you. So he was threatened into not telling anybody for 22 years. And he said after they told him that, they started driving by the house every day. And he said, since I was 17, he was 17 at the time that this happened. He said, since I was 17, I've always carried a gun on me because I was afraid that they would come and, like, try and kill me and my family. And so, like, he starts crying at this point in the interview because he's like, this has been eating at me for years because I couldn't tell them because I was afraid that they would kill me. So, and I don't remember the, the people's names, but it was, it was brothers as well. And so basically they had um, gone into the house with guns, brought them out to their car, made them drive to the bank, get some money. It was roughly like $8,000, something like that, and then drove away, killed them, and dumped the bodies in the car, and then after a while went up to Alaska and to live, just to live out their lives. So... When the detectives told the family this, Mike 
was kind of raised an eye for an eye. And he went up to Alaska and started searching for them. So like 22 they, years later was like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, he started searching for them. Ranger! Shut up. And uh, so while he was searching for them, the detectives got a warrant. They built a case. They got a warrant to go up and arrest them. And uh, basically, Mike's dad called him and said, you know, it's not worth it. Like, having that on your conscience, it's not worth it. You need to come. Basically, he said his dad told him, you need to get your ass back home now. Basically, like, don't kill them. It's not worth it. They're already going to, like, going to be arrested. Like, Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they had also found out at this time that one of the brothers was dead already. He died of natural causes. And Mike said that it made him so mad because, like, he hadn't served justice for what had happened to mm-hmm. his grandparents. And he said, for some reason, I, I turned around and I went back home. And so the detectives went up to the remaining brother's house and knocked on the door and the door kind of like creaked open and they just went, oh, this is not a good, good thing. And they go in and they hear this dude go like, what the hell are you doing in my my house? And they came out and they were like, you're under arrest for the murder of these two people. And he was like, okay. And he like gave up at that point because he knew that they had known and while they were like cuffing him they were like did you ever imagine that we would come at your doorstep and he said yeah i thought one day you would they never he never confessed which brother shot the grandparents and he was arrested and imprisoned for life but i believe he died not too long after being in prison that would piss me off as a person. But it was like, it was years, years later, 22 years later, he was old. And he kind of didn't live a great life. So he, he died of natural causes after that. Because I'm trying to think. They'd be like in their 40s, 50s, 22 years later. Well, I don't know how old they were when they did it. Um, They were, he was like 50s, 60s. When they did it? or No. I was like, what? No. Why when they were caught. When, when he was caught. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope you guys had a shitty life in Alaska. I don't think they did, which is unfortunate, yeah. Like, as if somebody, like, killed my grandparents, oof. Mm. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Yeah, so it was just... Okay, now we're at, we're at a good time. I did have another story, but we're at 45 minutes. I mean, honestly, might as well tell it. Really? Like, I think that sometimes, like, these kind of things where it's just, like, one after another, it's nice to have, like, that one, like, last story or whatever. Okay. I don't know the names of these people anymore, though. Even though I literally, this one is the last one that I watched as you were coming, like, in the the door. Yeah. So, um, basically, it's this murder of a 13 or 14-year-old girl. I'm pretty sure it was 13. And she had a younger brother and uh, a mom and a stepdad. Not really a stepdad. It was uh, her mom's boyfriend. And they were living in a house. And she was bullied a lot. So she stopped taking the bus. And there was this kind of uh, creek bed tunnel type thing that was kind of like a shortcut to the school. Is it kind of like... So it was kind of like there was a trail down the side of like this hill... Mm -hmm to a creek at the bottom, and there was a tunnel that the creek went through. Yeah, isn't it kind of, um, God, 
Remember when we went on that walk with, I want to say we took Ranger, but we might not have. Um, and they had those like tunnels with the graffiti in it. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Kind of like that, but... Yes, kind of. Okay. It was circular, though. Well, yes. Kind of like in Stranger Things, but not. I've never seen that, but sure. Yeah, yeah, you have. Barely. We watched it, like, years ago, because I remember me and Kyla, when it first came out, don't lie to me. I know, yes. No, I didn't... We watched maybe an episode. I didn't watch it, though. We watched, like, two or three, but yes. Anyways. It was for your birthday. Um, It's when you got Nagini Bob. Yes. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... And so she would go through there to go to school because of the bullies on the bus. And so... It's a clown. (laughs) They... She went missing and they found her body before, like, right before the tunnel and she'd been stabbed 47 times. That takes a lot of energy. And they found that she had been alive to, like, the 32nd stab. Jesus. The person has no aim. Okay, I like that that's well, what you think. <laughs> well, it's one of those, that, like, if I want to stab someone, I want to take the least, like, effort and then just kill them. But it was, it was like a crime of passion. It wasn't like, you How know. How old was she? She was 13. How the fuck are you mad at a 13-year-old? I don't, 13-year-olds are kind of <laughs> shitty. They're kind of shitty, but not shitty enough to stab them 47 times. Like, damn, did she call you Maybe, ugly? Maybe it is. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, and so when they were, you know, searching the crime, her school stuff had been, like, spread out around the crime scene. To sacrifice. Sure. Just kidding. And, uh, you know, because she had, uh, the person had apparently, like, met up with her before her body, like, before her body ended up there. And she was ran away. And so she, like, threw her stuff, like, behind to try and, like, stop him. And then. Which is smart. Where they were eventually, they met up and she died. I don't even want to know what you're eating. Okay. <laughs> My dog is eating something. I don't know what it is. And it's gone now, so I'll never know. But, but so the knife, when they went through the coronation process, the knife didn't have a guard. So it was suspected that the murderer, as he was stabbing her, may have cut himself because there was no hilt. So he would have stabbed her and his hand would have slid down the blade till it met her body. So, um, well, I'm guessing, well, cause you can still like have a knife and not like cut yourself without like a hilt. But they it was, a, they were so forceful that they um, thought it would have been like, like forward he would have slipped forward and, and cut his, Depending, I like that that's a, an assumption. They said it like before, I guess they knew in it as well. They always say he, it's never like we thought she did it. Well, cause females tend aren't to, like, usually murderers. I know, well, but no. Actually, a lot of females are murderers. We yeah, but they're usually murderers of husbands, not well, of just random people. Yeah, and it's also, like, crimes of passion. Usually women, like, we don't tend to, like, stab people 47 times. Usually, like, when you hear of cases, they've, like, shot them, they've poisoned them. Like, that's their, it's, like, it's not direct. Yeah, it's not. Because it also with the force, like, women tend to have a smaller body mass, so they can't get that force behind it. Yeah, but this was also a 13-year-old girl. Or gold. Anyways, because she was a goldfish. goldfish. <laughs> I will stab this. Um, <laughs> Imagine taking a toothpick. I'll stab you 47 times. That's so Anyways. much effort. <laughs> That's um, all I can go back to. So, she, uh, the, you know, brother was questioned about, you know, what was 
going, going on. on at the time. The mother, of course, was questioned as well. And then, so at school, that same day, the girls at school had thrown rocks at her. And uh, so it was on the way back from school. It wasn't mm. like... Uh, Who is up at, like, 6.30 in the morning stabbing children? (laughs) (laughs) Like, get your cup of coffee and chill. (laughs) And so they questioned the girls, and the girls, for some reason, like, just disliked her, but they were all in detention, so they couldn't have done it. Um, I don't understand why kids just, like, randomly dislike other kids. Like, we don't know why. We just hate her. We just dislike her. Well, they disliked her for a reason, but they weren't telling the cops what the reason was. Um... But they'd thrown rocks prob- at her. It was probably a stupid reason. Yeah, probably. And uh, so then they were talking to people and they're like, did you see anybody walking like around the crime scene at this time that would have like crossed paths with her? Like, did you know anything? And when nothing really came up right away, they went to like rapists and that kind of thing in the area. People that had had a, you past. Know, a past with with young women around that age, around that type found several people and none of them they found so one of the suspects was the boyfriend of the mother because he had moved out of the house at that time because he was causing tension within the house and he was an abusive person both physically and verbally to the mom Mm -hmm. and uh he had a knife and he had actually when they were searching into him had given his knife to his boss to keep because he didn't want to bring it into the house at the time but when they got the knife back and tested it it wasn't the knife so like was there a hilt on the knife or no hilt? there was no hilt uh but it's really called a guard for a knife there was no guard either way there was nothing there it has the the tang of the blade which is like the handle but there's no like wrapping around it Kind of, yes. Well, that's how blades are. They have the tongue, yeah. which is the handle. Um, So it wasn't him. And then there were several killers at the time, and uh, it wasn't really any of them either. Just imagine, like, killing someone, and they're like, did you kill this person? You're like, not that one. And then they were talking to a boy that happened to, like, he was 16, 17, and he happened to go to her school, and they questioned him at his, at his workplace, and they realized he had a cut on his on his hand. Uh, and the officer was like, that kind of sparked my attention right away because the thought was that the killer, killer had cut their hand when stabbing her. And they questioned him, and they were like, how did you get that cut? And he said the, he had two different stories. The first was that he had uh, tripped while holding a pan and had cut himself afterwards. And... The second story was he had cut himself when replacing a vent hood, which that one's possible. Well, I'm, all, I'm trying to think of pans and like yeah, I don't know. I was like pans are usually I don't know how blunt. that how that adds up, but apparently it does. I, I guess mean, it's he, like, like he hit the counter, he hit like the counter something or like something that. and cut himself that way, not was, with the pan, but he was, was holding like, a pan and he fell. I was like, if you cut yourself with a pan, you have a pretty miraculous tendency to die. (laughs) Yeah. And they thought this was suspicious. And so they, like, searched his house and his belongings and found several different knives, some of which had guards, some of which didn't. And none of them were a match. This is a workout. (laughs) And she's petting my dog with her foot because she's weird. And uh, so they moved past him. This is why I don't hit him with my hand. one detective 
was pregnant and so she couldn't go meet suspects and so she said you know i picked up some cold cases to look at because i'm a detective with a lot of time on my hands i thought she's gonna be like so i went and picked up some chinese food and got a case in the hand yep uh so she said one of the cases that i picked up was this girl's because it was years later mm-hmm. at this point and she said uh i kind of narrowed it down to these two people and they were two killers and when they talked with them one of them was in prison for life already because he had killed and raped a woman mm-hmm. and he said you know i'm already in here for life if I'd done it, I would just tell you because I've got nothing to lose here. Yeah. I'm already in prison. Like, you're going to give but, me another life sentence. Yeah, like, but I, I didn't here. do it. And so then he pointed them to the other suspect that they had. And when they talked with him, it was became kind of clear that he didn't do it. But he pointed them to the third and final and killer. And it was the boy they talked to. Motherfucker who slid his hand on a pan. Yes. So basically what had happened that day was that he was 16, he went to the same school, he was older, and uh, he had invited some people over to his house for like drinking and drugs, and he wasn't popular, nobody wanted to come. And it turned out that some boys like threw him in the dumpster of the school and locked him in. Oh, that's shitty. And when he got out, he was mad and he went home and he started driving around in his car Uh, And he had stopped because the girl was walking back from school and she crossed his car and gave him like a dirty look. He said that she had given him like a dirty look for like speeding. And I mean, if I almost got hit with the car, I'd probably give a dirty look too. And he got mad, got out, followed her and killed her. That's a really shitty reason to kill And actually, so when they went to go find him, he was in prison for drugs. So he had, he had, uh... He was out on parole, and there's a video of it. The officer that had found her, like, had been at the crime mm-hmm. scene with her body got to handcuff him because he was coming out with on parole right as they had um, figured, it, figured out. it out. So they called his attorneys, and they were like, you have to keep him there. You have to keep him there. And they, they came out, and in the video, he's walking out, and they were like, we're placing you under arrest for the murder of this girl. And so he, like, just walked out, and they arrested him and took him right back. Imagine, like, talking so much shit on, like, your last day in jail. You're like, like I'm, I'm leaving, uh, and then you're, like, right back in. And then you're, like... But the detectives described him, so when he was young, he was blonde, a relatively, like, good-looking kid. I don't understand and... why some people, like, don't like good-looking people. Or, like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get how some people aren't popular and some people are. I don't... And he... Uh, he kind of looked like a Leonardo DiCaprio type. And then as he grew up, he became this really hardened person. He had a lot of tattoos. His hair was cut really short. Mm. Um, and that's just kind of the man he had turned into. And it had started kind of after that day. Well, if you kill someone, you can't. It's really hard to be stabbed 47 times. times. You're an angry motherfucker if you stab someone 47 times. And I don't remember how they found the, like, if they found the knife at all. Probably not. But basically, so the way that they caught him was that, um, for one, they they needed evidence. They couldn't just be like, this person in jail pointed us to him. They needed evidence. And so the detective that was pregnant and kind of off at the moment looked at the crime scene photos and saw a purse that, like, the the girl's purse was up in a tree. 
And so she said, you know, all the other things the girl probably had touched last because she was throwing them like at the person, but the purse she would have held on to to like use as a weapon of some kind. Mm -hmm. So the last person that had touched that purse was probably the killer. Yeah, probably like throwing it away. And if he's taller, he can just. Yep. And so they got the purse again and it was a kind of material that made getting fingerprints from it really hard. Mm -hmm. But they looked through it and there were droplets of blood that further solidified the fact that the killer had cut himself on the knife and the blood matched him the kid yeah like this is why your life went to shit you killed someone because you were mad about something they didn't do like you almost ran them over your fault you got trapped in a dumpster killed them not her <clears throat> like I don't, I don't kill those four boys that shoved you into a dumpster like that would make more sense than just so like... basically that that murder was complete coincidence she happened to pass him when he was in a bad mood made him angry and he came after her and killed her i feel like that's a lot of murders though like people who like kill a single person but if you're that mad that you kind of kill this she's not random he knows her but a relatively random person and don't leave evidence behind like that's crazy to me that like they couldn't find anything for so long because it was a 16 year old that hadn't planned on killing her that killed her it's also that like it wasn't i would say the evidence i can see why there wasn't much left behind because it was really just like the only evidence that really could have linked it was blood or the knife and i'm guessing the knife is like in a dumpster somewhere the same dumpster he was dumped in maybe um as well as just like you know, they didn't look in the purse. Yeah. So I would say, like, there's a lot of, like, evidence that he didn't leave behind because there was no way to leave it behind. Yeah. <clears throat> Shut up, Ranger. <laughs> so, I mean, I would say that. But, I mean, I don't understand. Like, that. he has some anger issues to stab someone 47 times. Like, I'd be angry, but not to stab someone 47 times. Like, 12, I understand. 47? That's overkill. But the female detective, she said, you know, I'd expected one of the killers, not a kid killing a kid. So anyways, those were my, turned out to be, what, five stories? It was the three and then the two extra, five. Yeah. It was five. Five different murders for episode ten. Ooh, that kind of... Ooh, I like that. Mm, Maybe for episode 12, we should do six each now. (laughs) Woo. Maybe, like, for every, like, ten... Every ten episodes, we'll do, like, a special... Maybe every ten episodes, we'll do another one of these where I tell Mm -hmm. you stories. Or I tell you stories. Maybe. We'll see. But you pick stories that I already know. Yeah, because you're a (laughs) shithead. No, because I just know a lot, okay? No, it's because you listen to other people talk about them like we do. Yeah, because that's how I find the stories that I want to tell you. Sorry, I work. And I would love to do this. Actually, now that I work days, I could probably do this. Don't do it. Don't don't watch what you can't because it's on Sling. Maybe I'll get a prescription, motherfucker. That's that's where I'm going to get mine from now. (laughs) No. No, I'll probably find something on like Netflix or Hulu about it. But Okay, anyways, we got to go. It's like an hour and two now. Actually, it's an hour and nine since we fucked up the beginning. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyways... Uh, yeah, so, by the way, after, like, seven minutes, it'll probably have this weird, like, jump cut from me talking out a thought. And no, it just... won't, because we ended actually nicely, because I told you to, like, kind of, I, like, motion for you to stop. 
So it actually went well. So now I just have to cut this part out. Thank you very much. You're fucking welcome. I don't give a shit. If I remember to scroll to the end, because I only ever edit the front parts, because the rest of it's usually okay. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Oof. Now I've admitted so, it. Uh, <laughs> the ending's always oddly shitty or like really. <laughs> the background's not as nice. You know why. I'm sorry. It's just so much work, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.